Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. Today, our special guest is Barbara Transolito. Stay tuned, you don't want to miss this. Barbara Transolito has published four collections of poetry in Fragile Twilight, Beyond the Seventh Poinsettia, Moonflowers, and in Tribes of Running Rain. She holds a BA in English and an MS in Management. She resides in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Well, welcome, Barbara Transolito, to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. We're very happy to have you here today. Oh, thank you, Lisa. I'm thrilled to be here. This is uh, something I've wanted to do for some time, and and so I really do appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you. And um, where is it that you um, hail from? Where are you from? I am originally from New Jersey. I lived in Manhattan for many years, um, which is really where I got my start as a poet. Um, and then I purchased property uh, on Long Beach Island in New Jersey, which is a barrier island off the coast of New Jersey. And then four years ago, I moved here uh, permanently. Okay. So, so I'm a city person and a beach person. But these last few years, I've been uh, I've been at the beach. Very happy. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Yes, I actually did my practicum in. Um, New York. I lived in Manhattan, and um, then I uh, actually did my practicum at an adoption agency in um, Little Neck. So that's been many years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Sometimes we think back on our lives, and you, I know for myself, I've been very blessed, and I've had the opportunity to do many, many things and travel and so forth. And sometimes I say to myself, I think. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to stop to remember so many things that we've done. They were wonderful memories. So, yeah. Exactly. Certainly. Yeah, certainly this year was a time for us all to stop and reflect. So, It has been. I think a lot of people are finding um, their writer in them. Um, there are a lot of people that are doing more writing this year. Um, I've heard people that are getting books done. They've been talking about doing for years. It's just, there's been more time to just sit and focus on things. So that's a good thing. It's really have a lot more things to read out there. So that makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I encourage people, I say, you know, you don't have to be a poet or any, just do some journal writing, just write it. So therapeutic, just get it out. You don't even have to show it to anybody if you don't want to. So um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how long have you been writing poetry? I've been writing poetry since I'm a child, really. Um, my mother used to, uh, or I found this out some years later, she used to save some of the things uh, that I wrote even as a young girl. But I would say I started to develop it um, in college, but also in my late 20s when I moved to Manhattan. Uh, I studied um, at the New School which is where I met my mentor, Colette Inez, and she really helped me to develop uh, the craft of poetry. Mm -hmm. I was accepted into the um, Poets Workshop at the West Side Y on 63rd Street, 
And uh, after meeting her at the new school, she also taught at the West Side Y. So I was accepted into that program. And then I studied with her privately and then started to publish and do other things. Yeah. Wonderful. In, in, be in between my working at Macy's and traveling and so forth. Yeah, I was going to ask you if, if writing was your day job or is this something that you've always done kind of on the side or? It's, it was it was on the side, um, but uh, uh, but something that always meant everything to me. So mm -hmm. now at this point in my life where I've really got the time to write and to share my writing, it's it's a dream come true. It's it's what I've wanted, and I'm very lucky that I'm able to do it. So grateful is the word. Yes. So are you spending full time writing now? I wouldn't say it's full time. I mean, I, I am involved in a lot of different um, projects with nonprofits. Mm -hmm. When I left Macy's, I got involved in the nonprofit world. Uh, I'd done some uh, nonprofit work actually for 22 years in Jersey City. It was a project for homeless women and children called the York Street Project. But when I, I left Macy's, um, I took a little bit of time off from the industry to care for my mother until she passed. And then coming back into the industry was a little difficult. I did some consulting and so forth. And then I got an opportunity to run a nonprofit agency, which had to do with procuring brand new clothing uh, from people. And they, they wanted me because of all of my um, contacts in the apparel industry. So I did that. And, um, and I, when I finished with that in 2000, um, uh, I guess it was 17 to that. I already moved here, but, 2017 and so now I'm just doing a lot of different projects and I'm also you know giving my poetry to lots of anthologies and yes. getting published and it's very exciting so I'm doing that I did start a small press called Fragile Twilight Press and mm -hmm. uh, we celebrated our 20th anniversary I published other writers as well and that's where the collections of poetry that I gave to you were published so I'm, I'm self-published okay. yeah congratulations so thank you wow for 20 years <laughs> yeah and, and and i was very happy to publish others other people's work as well uh some were poets and some were short story writers and some were essay writers but uh um yeah it was a, a great honor for me to uh to have published their work but i i love what i'm doing now it's sort of free form where i'm I'm writing and I'm sending out my poetry to different anthologies and uh, it's being accepted. But more than that, I'm meeting new people and I'm able to collaborate with other poets, yes. which is one thing that I really do miss mm -hmm. about not living in Manhattan anymore. Um, there's more of a collaboration with other poets. Of course, Colette was there as well. And so now being able to do this virtually is uh, it's very exciting to me. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I do have enough uh, work to do to publish another collection. I'll see what I'm going to do with that. But right now, I'm really very happy with um, collaborating with other poets. It's yes. been really good for me. Yeah. I find it to be energizing to to work with anthologies and getting to know the other people you know, who contribute. I mean, that's how I got to know you is through the anthology we were both in. Exactly. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that last uh, Saturday, Saturday before last on the 24th. 
Mm-hmm. I thought it was it just there was a great energy among yeah. the readers and everyone was very respectful of one another and very supportive of one another. And yes. uh, I, I liked that very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt very comfortable uh, with yes. the group. Very comfortable. So I hope they felt the same way. I think they did. Oh, so. The feedback I have gotten from that has been wonderful. And I'm subsequently doing some podcasts with different people that were in there. So, you know, I'm happy about that too, because that gives me a little more in-depth, you know, understanding of the people that are in there. Um, so, yeah. And the one thing about poets, you know, and, it, and maybe this is true for other professions, but there's all, you know, be some jealousy in this world and that, but I think poets are a little bit, they're not really in competition with one another as, as much as we like to support one another, learn from one another. Yes, I, 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 you're absolutely right. What's what goes back to my point? Well, I, I missed that in. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I had so, so much of that in New York, where um, Colette had uh, in our classes at the West Side Y, we had uh, maybe you know ten or twelve people who would come every week and read their work, and we would support their work, and you know if there was any maybe some constructive criticism that we would give, which people welcomed. It was done with out of support. And so you're right. It wasn't that backbiting kind of a thing. And it, it can be hurtful. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard enough when you're a, a writer or an artist of any kind and you're out there and you're sharing your work, people will respond and you want a response certainly, uh, but you want it to be supportive and uh, and I find in the world of poetry, uh, I've always had that. And so now that, as I say, I said three times today, but uh, we're able to do this virtually is just a wonderful gift to me. Mm-hmm. Just right. a wonderful, yeah. It makes me very happy in the respect too that um, with the COVID, you know, for one thing, just being able to not being able to go out and be among other people. But this has opened up an opportunity for me to learn more as I'm around people more virtually than ever before. And I have some physical issues. And so it gives me more exposure to opportunity than ever before. So I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I live in a beautiful place. A lot mm-hmm. of people have called me, my friends called me this year, and they said, aren't you glad you're not living in New York right now? And I said, I guess so. You know, I'd be locked down, but I live in a beautiful place. It's, I didn't feel as isolated because I could just go out on my deck or drive over to the ocean or, you know, mm-hmm. this this year. So I did have that. But uh, as I say, I'm grateful for my life in many ways. Yeah. So what are you working on now? Are you a project going on at the moment? Well, I am um, writing some poetry um, this year, and I'll, I'll probably send it out at Christmas. I usually send a, a poem out uh, at Christmas time to people. But uh, the, the work I'm, I'm doing this year is really about how people are dealing with the COVID crisis. And I don't mean necessarily physically that they've gotten the, the virus or anything, but how are we coping with how the virus has, in my opinion, taken the Band-Aid off so much of our society uh, spiritually, um, 
in terms of organized religion, everything has changed because people can't gather to worship like they did um, in terms of our approach to the um, marginalized in our society and the uh, aggressive uh, incoming inequality that has resulted this year from unemployment and people on food lines where they never thought they would be. Um, so I say, you know, I've been working with some groups here, raising money for our local food pantry mm-hmm. and bringing meals up to the hospital and, you know, that, that kind of thing. That, that's what I love to do. But, uh, but I'm writing about it, how, um, where is the psyche? Where is everybody's psyche? Even if you are an outgoing person and, I think we are all searching for the bottom. Where's the bottom going to be? Once I get to the bottom, I'll have something tangible and then I'll be able to come back up. And it seems like we keep floating. And so we're hoping that maybe with this election and, you know, some of the changes and if we get a vaccine next year, that we start to make the turn as a Mm -hmm. society, as our and I mean an international society, not just an American society. Right. It's a society where we look again at who we are, what we are, and what we want to be to one another, whether it be our family or friends or a stranger. Right. And uh, I, so I'm writing about those kinds of things. What is the conundrum that we're all feeling? We're running towards something that we're running against it running toward it, running against it, because we're fearful. It's the unknown. And uh, so, I, and, and I don't want to, I don't want the poetry to be dark and depressing. It could be, but I don't want it to be. So I'm working with it so that there's a transformation at some point in the poem, and at the end of the poem, there's hope. And right. I think that's, that's a word that is uh, not used enough. Uh, it's a simple word, but I, but I think we need to use it more because people need that hope. Yeah. So I could not agree with you more. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. really do need that hope. Um, and sometimes it's just a small glimmer that can carry us a long way. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, sometimes just, uh, humor, maybe some humor. Let's, let's, Oh tell, yeah. Somebody tell a joke, you know, so let's do something. <laughs> So we laugh, humor, my mother used to say it all the time, sometimes you have to just laugh. Yep. Just sit and laugh at something. It's yep. good for you. It's a release. Absolutely. Yeah. Back in the day when I used to do um, go around, I used to go around schools and in um, different like, medical facilities and stuff and give motivational talks. And that was one of the things that we did as an exercise is we did the belly laughs. Uh-huh. We had so much fun with that. Yeah. yeah. And um, just, you know, realize how much you need to do it when you start, mm-hmm. you know, bringing them on. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very healthy. Yeah. yeah. It's the way I was raised. So a little mm-hmm. humor. Never hurt anybody, yeah. right? Absolutely. <laughs> we certainly had plenty of it in our household. Yeah. <laughs> we did too. We did too. Yeah. Now you'll have to... Um, Definitely uh, contribute to my anthology, The Heartbeats, because it's right up to you know, what to. you're talking about. <laughs> I absolutely plan to do that. Uh, I received your email. Thank you. And 
I, um, I had to get through some things this week, but I'm going to start to work on that. And uh, I will get some poetry off to you in the next few weeks. So Great. Look forward to it. Happy to participate. It's right it down your alley. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I was very excited to see it. Uh, um, thank you for including me. I would love to participate in it. Yeah. yeah Arlene inspired me to, to do an anthology. She's wonderful, isn't she? She's she's the anthology queen. and She is. You know, she's very she's good. She's a wonderful person, period. Yeah. So, yeah, she's she's great. So, um, now, you know, you wrote for the anthology, and you... Um, have another book um, out there. Um, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. Um, the one with the purple cover. What's that called? The the one the uh, in tribes of running rain. You mean my book or um, the one I just one second. Oh, I'm sorry. See, this is why I edit. <laughs> I didn't write it down. In fragile twilight. In fragile twilight. Yes. That's my first collection of poetry. It's the first one I um, ever did. And that's when I started Fragile Twilight Press. In fact, I was in the bank and uh, opening up an account. And they said, well, what's the name of the press? I said, I don't know. Fragile Twilight Press. That's how it came because the title of the anthology um, uh, is Fragile Twilight. So um, uh, that's... uh, was a long time ago, but a great uh, accomplishment for me um, to be able to do that. I had, for years, I had my poems kind of in different places and on napkins and paper bags and in piles and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had a good friend of mine uh, who's an artist, still a good friend of mine. So why don't you just put it in together in a collection? And then I met Colette and so forth. And, and then I put together uh, my first collection called uh, In Fragile Twilight. It's a beautiful poem. Yeah. It's a love poem, uh-huh. uh, but uh, it's a beautiful poem. It's called, uh, it's about the love affair between Eloise and Abelard and how okay. they, they were obviously star-crossed uh, lovers, but they are together for all of eternity. And that's the story. So uh, In Fragile Twilight, you say, well, what, what is that? What is fragile twilight it's a a space and time that i created and gave a name to because i do love the sunsets here at the beach and at that Mm -hmm. time and maybe 20 minutes between the time that the sun is setting and actually the night comes so there's the twilight and it's very fragile it's fleeting and if you miss it you miss it but Mm -hmm. if you don't miss it and you're in it and you kind of revel in it it's just a beautiful floating feeling and it could go on forever and so uh, yeah that was uh, in fragile twilight and then the second collection was another um space and time that i created called uh, beyond the seventh poinsettia and you know what does that mean well it's a time that is between poinsettias you think of christmas but uh new beginnings and and uh a new life. And again, I like to write poems about hope. And the third collection was called Moonflowers. It's a shorter collection. But that collection uh, was at a time when my poetry really started to change. And I call it upgrade. Um, I was really working with Colette. And now I was working with her. 
one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and I was also studying with a Franciscan friar in New York. His name was Father Vianney Devlin. I was studying all kinds of literature, and and he knew that I was a poet, and I'd sent him some poetry. And, and one day he said to me, we were studying Thomas Merton, and he said to me, you know, do you realize that you have a gift? And I, I, I was very stunned. Now, Colette was trying to explain this to me too but when he said it I was very stunned and I said well what do, what do you mean by that it's not intrusive but I sort of where would I do now I have this gift he said no he said you really have a gift and what you have to do is you have to accept it and that the words are not really yours it's a gift it's been given to you so when they come to you don't worry about it don't worry about what people are going to think or say when the words come write them down Maybe they'll be in a poem, maybe they won't, but write them down because the gift of the words are coming to you. The work that you do in this life or this world or this plane is the craft of writing poetry. It's when you take the words and you sculpt it down into a poem, otherwise they're just words all over the page. And uh, when I went back to Colette with that, she said, yes, this is what I've been trying to tell you. So the Moonflowers collection really... Um, was a few steps up, uh, and meaning it was uh, the, the, the poetry was more focused uh, and, um, and and different from the from the the other poems my that I wrote in the first two collections. The first two collections had a variety, a wide variety of subject matter, and Moonflowers was more focused on personal poems and and that kind of thing. And then you know my last uh, in Tribes of Running Rain. Uh, Colette said to me, you know, it's time for you to do a new and selected collection of your work. And I said, it is? She said, yes, it is. You should take a smattering of the first few collections and then the work from the the newest and do what they call new and uh, selected. And so that was in Tribes of Running Rain. And that has a very interesting um, story to it. I was working at Macy's at the time. I was a I was a senior executive at Macy's for many years and and uh, it was very stressful. It was a big job and it was something I wanted all my life. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't because it was, but one time I was in Italy and uh, I was traveling from Florence to Rome because I was going to fly out of Rome to New York the next day and I'm driving through Umbria and so forth and I'm looking at all the roads and the cypress trees and I heard the voices of my grandparents. Obviously, I have a, an Italian uh, ancestry on both sides of my family. They all came from Italy, and I was very close to them growing up. And I could hear them through the, the fog and in the wind and the cypress trees uh, talking to me, saying, is this all there is, Barbara? Really? You know, why don't you just get back to or get closer to who you really are and uh and that's the life and the heart of myself as a poet but of course you know at that point it was a difficult thing to do I said well I'm here and I'm there. but I created the poem in tribes of running rain it became the uh, new and selected and uh and so I did a poetry reading actually at my house here at the beach my mother was with me at the time and it's the only time she ever heard me do a poetry reading. I read a poem to her and so forth. And a lot of people were here and it was great. But 
what it really showed me was the bridge between one part of my life and another part of my life. Uh, and I realized that I could bridge the two for a while without everything becoming just so complicated, you know, that I could just take some time to relax and be with myself and be who, with the person that I really am. And people say to me all the time, well, who are you and what do you do? I say, I'm a poet first. I'm a poet. I write poetry. But I am a poet. It's how I see the world. It's how I live in the world. It's how I react to other people. It's through the art form of the poem and the craft that I love so much. So, Right. Yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> totally I know it. you do. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> Absolutely. I've always said that poetry is my first language. <laughs> it is. A, it's a beautiful language. And I think people are fearful of it. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they had a bad experience in the third grade. I don't really know. But uh, <laughs> I've always found that, again, um, Colette, as you know, was my mentor. Uh, when I do a reading... I uh, always do a little storytelling first. And mm -hmm. I find that for the audience, it relaxes everybody because they say, right. okay, I now I have the story. And so I'm, I'll get the poem. And, uh, and I, I always get a good reaction when I do that. But I think it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a crap that's really, I think, coming back in many mm -hmm. ways. I think more people are relating to poetry. I feel strongly about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly... You know, it's it's who I am, and yeah. Now, are you going to read some poetry for us today? If you would like me to, I would love you to. I would certainly do that. Um, I was uh, thinking about it over the weekend, and I said, I'm gonna. Uh, what I feel comfortable with is uh, reading poems about um, other people, poems that I've written and dedicated to other people. I want, I think we have come through a period of such uh, grandiose extremism in our society in the news and the election and politics. So I thought you could do that. I've got that poetry written and I could do that. But for today, I just feel I want to be, I'm comfortable with the poetry that was published uh, this, uh, in this last year. Uh, actually this, this was by Arlene and, um, uh, uh, it's this one is it's too uh, it was written to my mother but uh, it's about me and my relationship with her and uh, how she gave me permission at a very young age to be who I am and to live my life and it's called Black Eyed Susans okay I was born into hunger my mother fed me with Italian arias, saved my poems, reading back to her in her last years. We played Nesmendorma from Tosca, salutations to roses in the garden, still blooming among black-eyed Susans, growing wild, calling winds. Yellow petals adorn deepest brown, center core as mother's eyes, tiny morsels of rhymes and notes in high sea, 
hummingbirds drop on a window ledge. I hear mother's words, do what you will. <laughs> so um, the second, like thank you. Yeah, my mother always supported me. She said, uh, one of the things she said to me in the last months of her life, she must have said it 150 times. She said, I'm not gonna worry about you, Barbara. You're very smart, you've got a good head on your shoulders. Just don't ever let anybody tell you what to do. <laughs> okay. So, and this one, this is the other uh, poem that was that uh, Arlene published. Um, uh, and it was written to, um, it's about my life in, uh, in New York when I was uh, an executive at Macy's. And, um, and I'm looking back at it with a friend of mine, uh, Marion Fratinelli, who we lost suddenly a uh, year before last. Uh, she died suddenly with cancer and was quite a blow to me. But, um, but we had a wonderful relationship. And we used to sit on my deck, which come to visit me, and we'd have coffee and, and we'd just reminisce about our days at Macy's and how we were glad that we had come past all of that, but that way. It's called Women of a Certain Age, and I read it today for Marion. Twilight swallows sunlight. Bursts of orange and red sweep the bay. Colors you wore well. Cumulus clouds in formation march to the moon. I toast you and our past. Mopey pearls and black lace dancing on 7th Avenue. We would laugh at our mentors. Their portraits hang in dust, silent songs from glory days. The wind changed suddenly. You are gone. I sleep in skies of darkest blue. Wisps of dawn wake me among wind chimes. A butterfly spreads its wings along porch screens, speaks to me in mellow breezes that cooled our coffee, returning a kiss to my cheek as you did. So I wrote that for her and oh, I sent it I sent to her. Thank you, I sent it to her daughters who appreciated that. Uh, oh yes, I'm you know, and that, that's another that. thing. So I, I, was, I was trying to tell somebody the other day you know, everybody does what they do. And when I relate to somebody, especially when I'm trying to console them, um, I do it through my work. I do it through poetry. If, if I'm trying to explain to somebody how I feel, uh, I do it through my poetry. And um, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just my way. It's, it's one of my ways of communicating. But I would mm -hmm. say it's my primary way of uh, communicating. And... Uh, most people take it as a gift, you know, they, right. um, and I do some happy things for people who are still with us. I mean, I have, uh, if I may, may I read some more poetry? I don't know what kind yes, of time. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I have one here that I wrote. Uh, this was taken in an anthology by Geodi Wind. It's called Here, There, and Everywhere. And it's, uh, in dedication to a friend of mine, uh, I wrote to him, um, 
for his birthday. And this particular year, he was spending his birthday on a business trip uh, of sorts in uh, Italy. So it's called In Tuscan Sunlight. I think of you in Tuscan sunlight, hair glistening with morning dew, your smile in awe of the day. Memories of Litalia, storybook written on clouds overlooking mountains, the legacy of your family. Are they calling you in whispers? New yet familiar echoes? Arias in quick tempo, violins and guitars sing in effervescence under the stars. Cedar trees sway, bending a new direction, your birth a gift. In Tuscan sunlight, I think of you and the face I love. <laughs> so that was, that was, that was his birthday card. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a nice birthday card to yes, get. I thought it was a great birthday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, happy birthday. So, um, and this one I think is kind of funny. Um, uh, my, I'm very close to my um, college roommate. We reminisce all the time, especially now. We talk about how when we were in college in the 60s, I mean, we were very active in the anti-war movement and women's rights and uh, civil rights and the ecology of the day, which is now called uh, climate change. But, um, but anyway, we're, we're still friends. And, and one year, a few years ago, she said, oh, I'm going to go on a, on, a, on, a, on a trip to Egypt and, uh, with my cousin, her cousin, Lorraine. And I said, really? I said, what, what are you going to do when you go to Egypt? Like, what kind of things are you going to do? Take a lot of pictures, I said. She said, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to see the pyramids. And then one day, we're going to have tea in a Bedouin tent. And I said, what? She said, well, we're going to have tea in a Bedouin tent. I said, how exciting. I don't think I've ever done anything like that. She said, yeah, we're going to do it. So she came back and she showed me the pictures. But I just thought, I said, I have to write this poem for her. <laughs> so if I may, I'm going to read this. It's called Tea in a Bedouin Tent. It's a little bit of a lighter mood. So it's for Betsy. Evening stars bow to pyramids where Ramses and Cleopatra sleep. Bedouin merchants drink tea in their tents. They live through stories, reclining on pillows of chartreuse and magenta. Threads of gold imagine themselves as sun rays from Ra. White robes blend with scorching sand calling all Bedouins to tea. Ancients glorify Ra, lying with the Nile. Children born will worship intense drinking tea. Welcome strangers. Do you feel a stranger? Your tunic and head wrap adorn you, silk and indigo, mystery of gold, sand and sun. Revealing you still dream, sun rays play along your arm. Cleopatra adorns you, Ramses ravages you. Smiling, you hope for more as you drink tea in a Bedouin tent. So she I love it. it. 
Yeah, that was a fun poem. Yes. Kind of, uh, kind of a thing. So she, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I certainly have uh, traveled all over the world. I say I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, I've traveled everywhere and I've done a lot of travel poems. Uh, but this time I thought, why don't you write a poem about somebody else's travel and try to get into her experience? And I love the idea of creating her experience for her. And she said, you know, that is kind of how I felt when I was there. And she said, I didn't really get all of that. And I said, well, I really made it up. I mean, it's a poem. She said, I know, but I can relate to it. So uh, I think that's something that uh, is a lost art in many ways. In today's world, everything is so uh, technologically correct. Uh, But the imagination isn't, right? The imagination is free. There are no walls. You just, these are the words that come. These are the ideas that come. Even if I'm an artist or a musician, it doesn't have to be a poet, but it's free. You're free. There are no walls, and it's beautiful. It's a a beautiful place to be. You can make anything you want happen in that tent. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes. So, yeah, I, I can do some more reading if you like. I'm enjoying these poems so much. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'm going to read something from um, my last collection. Yeah, I'm comfortable with the, the title poem of um, In Tribes of Running Rain. So... And again, this takes place in Italy. I'm traveling from Florence to Rome. And I'm, uh, you know, it's so ostentatious, but Macy's used to. uh, We traveled in a black Mercedes limo. I mean, God forbid we should get on a bus or a train or something like that. So we had our own (laughs) driver and it was very she-she. And I'm sitting in the back of the limo and looking out the window saying, have I arrived? I'm not sure. And then I hear my grandparents speaking to me in the fog. So this is in Tribes of Running Rain. In mist, ancient columns appear. Florence yawns in dim light. Come, let us tour the moon. I travel in a black Mercedes, speeding towards Rome. Early morning runs past me in tribes of running rain. Terracotta tiles clatter, wind hums among cedar trees. Know the words to your song. Orvieto tugs sunlight behind the cathedral. Shadows cast mysteries I hold. Moon waltzing with elegant city, a dream for another day. I see the faces of those who came before me. Grandmother gives me her hand, her blue eyes penetrating in prayer. You can rise when you fall, she says. Grandfather echoes, know your name. Terracotta and cedar float a familiar melody, alive in stirring wind. Words of a forgotten song in tribes of running rain. Wow. (laughs) 
So they really, that day was very pivotal for me. I didn't live it all out for some years, but it was a sign of things to come. And I realize now that I'm in this particular part of my life that they were telling me that this is where I would find peace and happiness. And, and they were right, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, that poem really also really took in the senses. I thought, you know, really bringing them all in and engaging to the point where I could start seeing my own grandmother's eyes. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's very relatable. Well, my grandparents, as I say, they were immigrants. They did. They weren't educated in that in the way that, I mean, they weren't formally educated is what I'm saying, but they had um, great values, hard work and all of that. So many immigrant groups do, but my family certainly did. And the, and the most important thing was the family being together. And, you know, what does that mean? Who are you? And they gave me, always gave me a sense of my identity, even when, um, you know, at the highest levels I was at Macy's or wherever I was, uh, who are you? And mm -hmm. so it's a beautiful feeling to be able to embrace that and then to write about it and share it with people. I hope it helps them as well. Absolutely. I think, I think during these times where people have so much, uh, so much time on their hands, uh, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are thinking about that. Who am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And yeah. Where have I been and where am I going? And all of these things we don't have time to think about because everybody's racing. They're commuting or they're, you know, they're working or they're going to school or whatever they're doing. Um, one of the positive things with this virus, if there can be such a thing, is that it has really um, taken the band off, as we said earlier, taken the band off, a band-aid off so many um parts of our society where people are really looking at things, they're forced yes. to look at things. And yes. it's, it's an interesting um, evolution. And I believe, I'm hopeful for this, a sense of enlightenment for society. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful for that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel hopeful as well. Well, Barbara, it's been a pleasure having you here with us today. Is there anything else that you would like uh, um, to say I, in case there's something I didn't ask you? I think we've covered just about everything um, uh, that I can think of other than to say that um, I love sharing my work with other people. And the more that I can do that, uh, I think it, it strengthens me mm -hmm. as a poet and as a writer and as a person. So the more that we can continue to do things like this, it's, it's a gift. Absolutely. So thank, you. thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And thank I look you. forward to staying in touch with you. Absolutely. We will definitely do that. And I'll work on the heartbeats. Poems and I'll get them off to you. Okay. Then we'll, then we'll do a podcast for that with the group. Yes, we will. You said that. Yes, we'll do that. Yeah. That'll be fabulous. Looking forward. Thank yeah, you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You Take too. Care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. If you would like to be on our show, please send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com. 
That's prolificpulse at gmail.com. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. great news we have an anthology coming up it's called heartbeats for accepting submissions heartbeats is an anthology about the various aspects of what makes us tick or makes a heart beat this will be about love life happiness anything that makes life more joyful or tolerable let's face it these are tough times and there have been many events in 2020 which have many of us shaking our heads and wringing their hands. People who were once friends have gone their separate ways. Some are soul-searching, examining life more closely, as time has lent more for this. Heartbeats is about working through and maybe even overcoming these challenges. It is about what brings smiles to our faces, or at least in our hearts. So it's about so many different things, so many different aspects of love and life and hope. If you would like to submit to Heartbeats, please send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and in the subject line put Heartbeats and I'll be glad to send you information about how to submit. Thank you so much and you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.